weiß Bescheid. Welcome to the most forward-thinking, inspirational podcast on the planet. Prepare to reevaluate everything you've been taught. Welcome back to the show. Today I have with us kind of a fun guest. This guy has one of the biggest free thought Instagram profiles out there. And all of you who have been listening for quite some time are quite familiar with what I used to say, my ongoing battle and war with Instagram, but I'm pretty sure they've dealt the death blow to me and I can't figure out how to get out of this regime. Uh, so hopefully I can get a few pointers and tips from him, um, but more than likely, let's just talk about with him a lot more interesting stuff than foolish Instagram. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've probably seen this Instagram page around. You've probably heard of uh, Jason himself around. This is Jason Basler from the Free Thought Project and basically uh, the last one of the last standing internet mavericks. My friend, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Adam. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, let's get into this. These are all topics that I love to talk about. Yeah. So we were talking the other day about Rage Against the Machine. You posted something on on your Instagram story. And I looked at that and I said, you know, a lot of my friends were saying, you know, how was the Rage show? And I had to explain to them that I didn't go. 
And they said, well, why the hell didn't you go? You went to all the other, you went to like the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, but Rage is on file is saying, if you're vaccinated, don't bother attending our shows. And I mean, one way or the other, I guess I took that personally, obviously because of my vaccination status. But at the same time, I'm like, at what point did Rage Against the Machine become Rage on behalf of the machine? You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely, man. Yeah, it, it's it's exclusive. Uh, it's it's medical segregation, you know. And these are the last people, you know, that we would expect to be embracing that type of mentality. Especially, you know, they were certainly a, a counterculture uh, idol, I guess you could say, in the '90s. You know, like everybody uh, was on rage, and you know, let's let's face it, the music is good. Uh, unfortunately, though, it seems like they've skewed more heavily towards the left. And now are so far in the left field that they've kind of blinded themselves to uh, tyranny and freedom, you know, and what they claim to once rage against. So uh, just to clarify, you know, for your listeners, uh, the meme specifically said rage against the judicial branch and Fox News. We love all other parts of the machine because they're on our side. And I think that's more or less kind of explains it. Right. I mean, that's kind of the sentiment. Many of us freedom fighters have kind of felt from Rage Against the Machine uh, over the past year or two now, and it's certainly disappointing. Yeah, I mean to say the least. And I wonder, I wonder if um, you know. I'm sure you've heard the rumor and uh, about all of the counterculture that came out of the the um, the sixties. Like uh, I'm thinking um, Morrison and. Joplin and all these guys, these guys were all the children of a certain, a certain CIA sect and all that sort of stuff. You're familiar with that lineage, that thought lineage? Uh, not particularly. I mean, there's always claims to various celebrities and, uh, you know, people of, I guess, stature to being related to, to various other uh, entities, nefarious entities and whatnot. I mean, um, those specific claims I have not heard, though. So yeah, okay. So so in in that in that theory is these guys that that the whole culture was designed at the 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 entire counterculture was specifically designed, and I looked down it. I looked into that rabbit hole. I'm like, I like it. I like the idea, but I didn't put too much effort into it. There's some audience members right now listening because they've asked me to broach it, but uh, they're they're 100 behind it. Now for me, what I'm getting at with that is, is it possible? And I think to myself, you know, we sat back and we let Rage Against the Machine dictate a certain thing to us, but is it possible that even back then, when we aren't, you know, cognitive other, because we were much younger in 1992. Um, even back then, were they possibly pushing a thought process or narrative into our head? Um, I mean, I wonder about that stuff now. Watching them be the current version of Rage, I wonder were they always that version of Rage, and it's us that's changed, or did they somehow buy in and sell out at the same time? I don't know. Yeah, great question. I think if anything, the country's become more polarized. I mean, especially since COVID, uh, even prior to that, you know, Trump had a, a huge part in that. So it, it felt like, you know, there was such a polarity there that people are taking sides and it doesn't even necessarily matter if you truly believe in what the other side represents or what your side represents. It's just about the tribalism at this point. And so it wouldn't surprise me that their their views have evolved and they've become more on the side of the left, embracing the, that leftist rhetoric and, and just that mentality in general. So, I mean, that's hard to tell, you know, obviously um, looking back in the nineties, watching their music videos, watching the work that they did. I think it's pretty clear that they're authentic, you know, at least during that time period, 
of course, that's just speculation. That's just a topical antidote. That's nothing, uh, you know, some, some substantial evidence behind that. Um, so who really knows, of course, right? Like we always have to keep our mind open when it comes to these things. But um, just from as much as I've personally seen this great divide within our country over the past several years, I would, I would suggest it's probably more, more along those lines where I, I think maybe they're just so far on the leftist side of the camp now that it's like their, their vision is skewed, their tunnel vision, you know, like they don't, they can't even comprehend what the other side looks like. And the other side, in our opinion is freedom, but, you know, we've got to also remember that some of these leftists think that, you know, we're impeding on their, their quote freedom by not being vaccinated. So, I mean, they kind of have their own, you know, crazy mentality and logic when it comes to this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to really try to, um, you know, place an agenda on, on these guys. It just feels like, um, you know, they've, they've certainly taken the wrong side in my opinion. Uh, of course that's subjective. So of course, yeah, that makes us be, but for us to say they've taken the wrong side implies that we're standing firm on a side. And the truth is, I don't, I don't, I'm not against anyone getting vaccinated. I'm not against anyone not being vaccinated, but I certainly wouldn't say to anyone ever, if you're vaccinated or if you're not vaccinated, don't listen to my show. Like that to me seems like who's got that. Who's why are your balls that big? You know, Let sure. People, like that's like saying, if you're circumcised, don't fucking listen to this show. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, there's, there's so many, there's so many medical things that we could say or do with regards to this, but yeah, it was, it was a strange one for me. I mean, it, it you know, the, the whole rage thing and the whole, the whole, the whole, I guess all of it. And you know, you, you touched on a few points in there that I, I really did like, but we could, we could beat that rage horse to the ground. Uh, long and short of it is I didn't go to the show. I didn't respect the opinion. Uh, they're not right. They're not wrong. I'm not, I'm not for or against, but I just felt for me, it wasn't right to, to, to show that support to somebody with that mentality. When at the end of the day, if we can't come to some sort of, if we can't have open discussions, you know, if they just said, if you're not vaccinated, stand at the back, like I'd be all right with that, you know, a little bit, you know, like had they just taken a bit of a different approach, I suppose. I don't know. But who am I to judge, right? I'm just another guy. Uh, what a topic. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I wanted to talk about for sure uh, is how the hell have you gotten the Free Thought Project past all of the insane censors and, and you still have an active, uh, an active following on that? It's uh, taken a lot of perseverance, man, to be honest. You know, we started that account and assuming we're talking about the free thought project Instagram account, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So we started that account in 2016 and it just skyrocketed like immediately, uh, hundreds of thousands of, of followers and it continued to grow until about, uh, 2019 or so 2020. And that's when we kind of saw the, the growth flatline, but, uh, we, we've certainly been dinged, uh, numerous times on there. We've had flags, we've had violations, uh, every time that happens, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with this process, but uh, at least on Facebook, they start to decline your reach. If, if it happens a certain amount of time on Instagram, uh, they'll just shadow ban you, just straight up shadow ban you. You won't get any notifications. Uh, you won't get any explanation. All of a sudden, your posts will just start reaching way less people. So uh, this is one thing I would suggest. Go on LinkedIn and try to find some Facebook or Instagram employees if they there's some, believe it or not, who are libertarian anarchists, activists who are out there who happen to work for, uh, you know, this this technocratic company, and uh, they 
will try to help you out to the best of their abilities. And that's exactly what we had to do uh, somewhere around 2016, 2017. The strikes were coming in so fast that our our page on Facebook anyway uh, was uh, taken down, throttled. And we had to reach out to a Facebook employee on LinkedIn. And uh, luckily enough for us, he happened to be a supporter and follower of one of our other accounts, Police the Police. And uh, he jumped to action. He put in internal tickets on Facebook and ended up helping us out uh, to restore and, and recover the page. And he's done that actually now, uh, what, geez, three times for us on Instagram. So uh, about a year ago, they, they shadow banned our page completely. Um, the reach was, you know, even though we have, what is it, 387,000 followers on Instagram, uh, the reach was basically dead. And when he broached the subject with Facebook or with Meta, I guess you could say now, uh, they actually said that we were, um, we, we had violated so many times that we were repeat uh, misinformation offenders. And that I think it was something like 21 different times we had been flagged by their algorithms. So luckily he had them kind of go in through the back end and review some of those violations. Luckily they took them down and uh, more times often than not, the algorithms and the AI are making mistakes when it comes to uh, scanning your posts, misinterpreting the information, the nuance involved, the, the humor sometimes, you know, there's, there's a lot of humor, obviously, on the internet, on memes, on posts. Sometimes algorithms can't detect these things. So once they do actually have a real human being go in there and, and analyze these things, uh, more often than not, they'll reverse some of them and give you back your reach. And we've had to do that several times now. I, I realize that's not necessarily... Uh, answer that um, is going to work for a lot of people. I mean, you really have to be invested into this world to even go to those lengths to to try to make that happen. But for us, this is you know pivotal. This is something that's absolutely critical to our our business structure and our our business plan. So we need that reach. And uh, when unfortunately, you know, the linchpin the linchpin is on their their path on their side. They could at any point take us down and we lose more than half of our, our following and our audience. So um, unfortunately we've had to kind of come to these extreme, uh, I don't know, terms, I guess, to uh, negotiate with <laughs> Facebook employees. And uh, like I said, uh, luckily there's some good ones out there that are willing to help. Well, maybe I'll uh, try to get that guy's name off you at the end of the show. <laughs> the, and that's my problem too. I mean, like I understand like, like, this is the first time I've been throttled back. I mean, I've been throttled back numerous times. They give you that warning. They bump you down, blah, blah, blah. But this time I went from, you know, 10,000 views, what have you, on your standard video type posts to like 11 likes engagements. Like they killed me. So, and and the funniest thing in the world is the actual quote that uh, that got me dead was that um, uh, it was basically the silencing of, um, I can't remember the exact quote. It was, it was the silencing uh Intelligent people will be silenced so as to not offend the ignorant, was the quote. And that was the quote that got me completely shadow banned. Let me guess, they call that hate speech? Um, actually, it, it was un <laughs> underlined. It, there was a picture of um, Tostoevsky in the background, and it said, nowhere officially has Dostoevsky ever said this. And that uh, was it. So, yeah, that wasn't hate speech at all. Um, they, they didn't get me for hate. They've gotten me on hate speech before, and I think it was a Mike Tyson quote that, that got me dinged on hate speech. And Sure. Yeah, they got me on hate speech for a meme of uh, ET, and uh, it was kind of during the 2018 the illegal immigration influx, and um, 
it was something as, as really benign, as simple as like, um, you know, Elliot was sitting and laying in his bed next to uh, E.T. and E.T. is slowly withering away or whatever. And it was something along the lines of like, I don't know, it, like I, I can't even remember the punchline, to be honest. I'm sorry. I just completely no killed this joke. But I mean, it was so harmless. And it, what that's exactly what I'm trying to say now is like they they don't have any way to really the algorithms don't have a way to, uh, you know, understand humor. And, and that's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And it sounds like in your case as well, it was specifically mentioned that this isn't a real quote, but their algorithms still pick it up. And if there was a fact check associated to that quote, even though it specifically said on the meme that it's not a real quote, well, guess what? You're out of luck because, you know, there's not a real human uh, evaluating these things. Yeah. That, that fact checker, man, every time somebody says fact checker, the first thing that pops into my head, have you seen the meme of the elephant? sucking its own wiener and yeah. it's, it's the fact checkers checking their own facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this has turned into a huge business opportunity, you know, especially for a lot of these mainstream legacy uh, publications that were failing and, and starting to really decline. So uh, now, you know, you turn your operation into a fact checking uh, operation and look, you're getting money from Facebook, you're getting money from Twitter. So they actually have incentive to do this. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, I, I cringe anytime I think about or hear anything related to fact checkers, just because I've had such bad experiences with them over the years. And, oh, man, we could get into that, too. I mean, I, I've gone back and forth with these people numerous times through email. And let's just say they're some of the most dishonest people on the Internet. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, though, that could never make the Internet simply because they would fact check it and deny it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The elephant cycle. Yep. So, yep. Exactly. So what's, what's your take then on, um, and this is a good one. This is a juicy one. What's your take on actual journalism? Do you think it ever existed? Do you think it existed once and went away? Do you think that we've been duped this whole time? Do you think somebody silenced journalism? Did journalism die at some year? Like real news, real journalism, breaking stories, people discovering things. Was that ever real? Do you think that was real? Yeah, I, I think there was certainly a period of time when um, the integrity of journalism was upheld in this country. I mean, that's long gone now, obviously. Um, but, you know, let's remember like specific stories. Uh, Watergate, for instance, I mean, that was broke by journalists, you know. So um, th there's certain aspects that do point to the legitimacy at one point in time. But I, I think, yeah, it's certainly been perverted. And I think now it's just, uh, there's probably multi aspects and facets involved, but um, I believe the incentive structure has changed greatly. And they've, they've found that there's more clicks, there's more um, views, there's more revenue involved when there's more of a divisive uh, headline or something which pits two factions of people against each other. And we've witnessed that we've, we've, you know, we've pointed it out. We've exposed it for, for years now on the free thought project. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd also probably have to mention, you know, just to, to give a, a full picture, the fact that, um, you know, the CIA is in bed with operation mockingbird. Uh, we know that there's been influence there over the years, how much is, is really hard to put your finger on. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that the government has also co-opted uh, media and any type of legacy media, I mean, really take anything they say as with a grain of salt, you know, I mean, they, they still are 
Uh, unfortunately, the authority, they still have the legitimacy of, um, you know, real journalists of, uh, I guess, an arbiter of, of truth to a certain degree, which is funny because even at this point in time, and I was just reading an article this morning, you know, the media, uh, the, the belief in media that the ratings for media is at an all time low, you know, so the idea that uh, the people are still clinging on to believe that they're legitimate doesn't exist. But for some reason, we still give it this air of legitimacy on the internet, uh, in our lives. And I don't know, it's this strange conundrum, you know, it's really, uh, hard to understand why we're still at this point in time, but I think it's just because there hasn't been anybody to really come along to replace the legacy media. I think that is something that needs to happen. In fact, we were working on that, uh, back between 2013, when we first started the Free Thought Project, to about 2016, which I call the internet golden age. I mean, the alt media uh, organizations, we were really starting to have an impact and really starting to take that mantle away from legacy media. And you know, they shut that down really quick. Uh, and in 2016, they started throwing the Russian collusion narrative at us. They started talking about the fake news narrative. And, you know, by 2018, uh, they had taken down all of our pages and accounts. So I think the problem here is that Americans and people in general, just they feel like there needs to be some authority when it comes to news and information. But we recognize that the current the current status, the current people, the current players in that field aren't doing it correctly. So they will, they will touch on some t- topics and subjects and there, there is, you know, some legitimacy there, but then other ones are completely far off on they're pushing agendas, they're pushing narratives. So there's kind of this conflict. And I think that's probably what fuels the uncertainty in most Americans. A hundred percent. I don't think anybody, even in Canada, um, has any trust in any mainstream media. And it really wasn't that long ago that if you posted something that was quote-unquote controversial or outside the mainstream media, you would 90% of the people on on Facebook would be like, uh, do you have a source? Do you have links? Do you have anything? And then you would show them the page and they would be, that's that's an, uh, you know not a reputable source. Like, I want to see something. I remember when people would quote, like actively, tangibly, quote Snopes to me and be like, you know, well, Snopes said it's fake. I'm like your research. So my research is, is hours and weeks into something. And your research is, did this happen? Snopes says no. Like that's as far as you got. And you're going to throw that back in my face. Luckily that, you know, that, that whole mentality is kind of gone. And a lot, I'm I'm seeing in my sphere, uh, a lot of people are, I guess, sort of waking up to it and asking more questions. But again, even in that, that lies the problem. Like your, your free thought project has, its own web page. You do proper articles. You've got proper everything out there. But the problem is your URL is blocked by the socials. So if yeah. anything gets tried to share, or if you try to share any of that stuff, the social media is. Uh, and this is what a lot of people don't know is that you're you guys behind the scenes. If you know to go to these pages, you're going to get some great stuff. But if if I try to share it on Facebook, sometimes it's like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Or uh, it, it will be shared, but to zero reach, like your, your page is marked and flagged and dead. So nobody even on your Facebook will see it and they don't even know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly it. We we've been throttled into oblivion. Uh, unfortunately, even the most important stories uh, don't really get much traction. But I think it's also twofold. I, I think they've really been effective in damaging our reputation, and that was part of the goal back in 2016, 2017, when the Russian collusion and fake news narrative started to roll out. Was that they didn't want people to believe us. And I I remember this happening clearly. I remember going on Facebook and Facebook was our huge hub. You know, at one point we had nearly 6 million fans within our network. So I remember going to our pages and seeing thousands of likes, thousands of shares, thousands of comments. And you go to someplace like ABC or NBC or or CNN's Facebook page, and it would be dead. It was like a ghost town. There was no, there was no likes, there was no comments. And then around 2016, 2017, 2018, they started kind of game and shift the algorithms towards their favor, towards legacy media's favor. And so all of a sudden we're starting to see you know, legacy media CNN videos take off. They got thousands of shares. They've got thousands of comments. This was never organic. This was never something that happened naturally, uh, authentically through Facebook users. This was something that Facebook engineered through their algorithms to push these news narratives into people's news feeds. So to me, I mean, that's that's certainly, you know, a big problem. And the fact that they ruined our reputation now, it's like we have to be absolutely 100% critical and selective of the information that we post because, hey, we're not NBC, we're not ABC. So if we do put out some type of uh, inflammatory statement or something that just sounds a little too crazy to be true, people aren't going to click on it because they're going to think, well, that's fake news. you know. So now we've kind of had to change our our operation, our, 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 our strategy. And now what we do is we'll just take the mainstream media news. And I think this is something that's happening common with any independent journalists and all media. You actually have to take their news and put your own spin on it, or you take their statistics and use it against them. You actually have to use them as the basis for legitimacy now, and then try to introduce your own angle or your own spin on it. Before we were able to put out any type of information and people would actually click on it. They would be interested in it. But now, like I said, they've, they've really changed the mentality of Americans to believe that anything that comes from these you know, smaller independent news sites, it's just going to be fake news. There's no way it could be legitimate. Even when it's fully sourced, even when people could go into the articles themselves, click back to the mainstream article that it stemmed from, if they see a headline from us that's you know maybe a little bit more uh, sensationalist than a mainstream headline, and if just to be clear, we have to do that because we don't get the clicks that the mainstream does. Uh, you know, they they won't believe it. They'll think, well, this is totally off the wall. This is unbelievable. But yet, the mainstream will say the same thing and in a few different words, and that's legitimate and that's believable. So I guess that's kind of the point I was trying to make a few minutes ago, and I maybe kind of muddied it up a little bit. But uh, it's this strange conundrum to me, where it's like people know it's not legitimate information, but they still hold the air of legitimacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the the, I mean, this comes down to let's let's say arbitrarily. Uh, an example would be the moon landing, right? So uh, an entire group of Americans watched the moon landing on television. So an entire group of Americans believe that to be the true story that we landed on the moon. People don't bat an eye. They don't ask, you know, how was that camera already there? They don't ask all these other questions. They don't ask how did they get through the vent. You don't ask these things. You're you're shown a story and you believe it. Your brain listens to that story. To the tune of the fact that that machine, the moon lander, has been sitting in the Smithsonian now 
for, well, since it landed on the moon, right? Since it landed on the moon, then crashed down on Earth, they put it in the Smithsonian, and it's been sitting there. The actual thing has been sitting there for decades. And nobody's walked up to it and said, that, that thing went to the moon? It's made out of paper mache and curtain rods. Um, and people don't bat an eye because their whole mindset, and this isn't to knock the people. It's just, it's what I refer to as default reality. We're handed something that we don't, we don't decide to break free from for anything. And if anybody shakes our little default reality up, we're not ready to be there. If we're still locked into NPC mode, then we're not going to get, we're not going to get past that. And you can see it. You can see it. You can taste it. You can touch it. You could go and lick the goddamn thing. And, and, and people still would believe that, you know, the, the official narrative. So this is, you know, when, once you, when you're locked into that default reality, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get out. Um, to anyone that's waking up, though, here's the thing. We're also, in my opinion, we're, we're, we're crossing, I'm sure you're familiar with the 100th monkey. We're, we're crossing that mentality, the 100th monkey mentality. And all of the people, like the people that are waking up are, are spreading more and more and more over the, over the ethos and over the this, that. Guys like you and me are connecting, right? You're the big account. I'm the smaller account, but we're still pushing the same message. We're still on the same team. We're still working together. Right. What's, what's going on on the other side is not, there's no congruent of like everyone's fighting everybody and everyone's cannibalizing everybody. I read an article this morning about a woke uh, cafe that opened and then cannibalized itself within a week because they weren't a safe space enough for uh, a certain group of people. And this was in Portland or something like that. And it was hilarious. I'm like, so now everyone's cannibalizing everybody, but I'm finding that our, I want to say our team or our, the free thinkers, the people that are like, I'm going to question everything. I'm not going to, I'm not going to blindly accept mainstream. I'm not going to blindly accept non-mainstream or fringe as they like to say. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take it all in and I'm going to do my own research. So I would have to say that your work, I don't personally, I don't think that you guys have been, I mean, algorithmically of course and by the numbers especially back in 2016 you guys may have been tarnished um but i don't think today i don't think in today's day and age that really counts i think that you know all the stuff that you're doing now you've got sort of a basis of like a nice firm base of where you were but i think that the new articles that you put out make sense and the sooner people find them the more they share them uh, amongst their friends it may not be social media but look at all it's, there's a mass exodus of people that just left facebook so yeah. it's like, yeah, the numbers have gone down, but people have lost faith in Facebook. I mean, Zuckerberg has gone really weird with so many things and, and Facebook itself is like a joke. Um, Instagram is sadly going the same way. And then everyone's like, well, what about a new social media? And the truth is social media is played out. You know, the, the generations of people that, that they don't really want to be there. I don't think there's just, there's so many more other things to do. And I'm not going to jump into truth social and try to echo chamber my a message somewhere. I'm, I'm not really into that. I, I, I want to connect with more people doing more things in more real world scenarios. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with um, uh, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, weeks, I guess, Jan July 8th, uh, Canada, the entire country lost internet and cell phone. And, and nobody talks about that. This isn't in the news. This isn't in the news right now. I have, when we do our uploads, I had bell Canada. So Canada has two carriers. We have bell Canada and we have Rogers. And two main carriers. And so when Bell went or when Rogers went down, Bell's systems got overloaded and they teetered for the entire day. Um, now, I had to switch from Bell to Rogers a while ago because I wanted to have like the better podcast, right? You don't want choppy stuff. You don't want slow internet because anything that interferes with the sound quality of these podcasts is brutal. 
So I went from a podcast upload took about a minute with Bell and took about 25 seconds with Rogers. So that that's the difference in Bell to Rogers in that immediate sense. Then after the power outage went and after the power outage took place or the, the, the internet outage, it now takes about three seconds to upload a podcast. So this, this, I don't know if you guys, if you have a take on this or if you have an opinion on this, but I'm very, very sure that this, and this all coincided as well with the Elon Musk denial of the Twitter purchase. And I thought to myself, they probably unplugged it and plugged it back in again, you know, creating that purge and that, and that drain of all the backup stuff that was in the files and the systems and all that sort of stuff. Do you have any insight on that? Or are you familiar with, with that? Or have you guys run anything with that? Uh, I don't, man. This is um, a little outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not as technically savvy with some of the backend stuff like that. I'm more of a social media guy, <laughs> ironically. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really have much to, to speak on that, but I think what you were saying before about Facebook and people, the exodus, I, I believe that is a correct. And I've seen it, you know, I think people are just frustrated with Facebook. I think there's been enough people who have just deactivated their accounts. Um, the one thing about Facebook though, it is really the tip of the spear in the sense that it is like the uh, tip of the spear of the social media experience and they're constantly innovating. It's because they have the money to. So I don't think it will ever completely go away like MySpace did, you know, because there's the Facebook marketplace. I mean, there's events, there's the newsfeed. There's so many different facets of it that I think there's utility there for everybody. But I, I would also agree Instagram, it does appear to be getting a little bit more stringent when it comes to the censorship, uh, a little bit more rigid with the algorithms and the AI. And it feels like it is starting to get the clamp down on it like Facebook did. However, it still feels much more organic and authentic than Facebook. And yeah. um, I, I feel like the reach there is still something comparable to what Facebook was like in, I don't know, 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, and you, know, you mentioned um, possibly moving to some of these alt media um, platforms. And I would suggest that is one solution and one answer for people to do that. And I know a few of them, like let's say Gab and Getter and, and Truth Media or Truth Social, excuse me, I, they obviously have an echo chamber and a slant there leaning more right. Uh, but there's places like MeWe, Minds, uh, Telegram. Uh, I, could, I could name off a few others that seem to be a little bit more centered in that regard. Uh, not necessarily like mainstream center, but just a little bit more of a blend of left and right. Uh, I would point people to both of those, Minds and MeWe. Those are both pretty solid platforms and, and decent size. Of course, they're nowhere near uh, Facebook or Instagram, so you're not going to see the same reach or post, but at least there's a community over there. And um, yeah, man, you know, just going back a little bit on what you were saying earlier about uh, just people being so tuned out, you know, and th there really is a dichotomy in society now. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Zek. He's kind of hit the scene over the past year or two, and he's done a lot in the health freedom movement, but he had a, a great tweet recently that I think hits the nails on the head or hits the nail on the head, excuse me, which is uh, there are two, there are now two primary diametrically opposed perceptions of reality existing in the same exact place. One is primarily influenced by media, government, and pharmaceutical propaganda. The other primarily influenced by logic, live experience, observations and intuition. And I think that's exactly it, man. I think, unfortunately, through 
the mechanism of government schools, most people get churned out and they have no clue how to question any type of official story or any type of narrative. You know, they're not taught to be critical thinkers. And I think that is where it kind of comes, what it comes down to, you know, and we all had to progress through unlearning a lot of those unhealthy unuseful habits that we were learned that were, were taught in, in public schooling. So it makes sense. You know, I had to go through my own reformation process uh, in like 2011 to try to understand how to self-educate myself with the internet, try to try to learn a lot of the stuff that we were never taught, try to learn how to critically think and discern information on my own. That's not stuff that's really taught in public schools. So it, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that most people are low effort thinking NPCs that just go along to get along. Well, we all were, we all were at some point, you know, uh, um, uh, we were being programmed, television sure. programming, school programming, you know, the, the program for anything. We like, we were all 100% being programmed and I, I have these conversations a lot and it comes down to sort of waking up and what waking up really looks like is unlearning everything that you did learn. It's not about learning how to wake up. It's about, it's about understanding that we've been lied to and duped this whole time. But to what end, you know, we go, we go further down those rabbit holes to what end or how, or why would they do that? Why would anybody lie? You know, I mean, one of the biggest ones the one of the biggest eye openers for me was, was the deception behind flat earth and not so much that flat earth is a thing. Um, but that when you start looking into this, you realize that, that there are a lot of discrepancies and there is so much that goes into what what takes place? I mean, you've got Bill Nye, the science guy. You've got uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You've got all these guys out there, uh, David Suzuki. You've got uh, David Attenborough. You've got all these guys out there talking about these things. And you kind of realize that, you know, your whole life you've been listening to these guys talk about stuff. And you're like, they're not even making any sense. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson's on record as saying how the, the earth is more pear-shaped, right? So, and everyone's like, oh, well, that's interesting. So we're not a globe, we're pear-shaped. But the more you go into it, the more you're like, well, space might not even be real. And, and I know this, I don't know if this is in your, in your wheelhouse or anything like that, but I'm just saying like how it gets into the, the idea of if I can't think about it or ask about it or talk about it right at the gate, if you say earth is not what they tell you it is, you're insane. Right. And most people will there, you can hear their ears bang shut. They don't want to hear it. And it's not so much that the earth is any shape or anything like that. It's why can't we talk about it? Why aren't we allowed to openly discuss these things without being made fun of? And it's not just the earth. It's literally everything. It's we're allowed to discuss a small percentage of things. And if we go outside that, say there's a hundred topics. If we go outside the five topics that they've given us to talk about, you're, we're called crazy. We're called conspiracy theorists. Um, and, but then you have people like you mentioned Trump earlier, Trump came through as a crashing thing. And, and, and my intention or my thought with Trump is, uh, the political side of things, he woke a lot of people up to a system that was clearly twisted. And what he started, Biden is continuing or finishing with pure incompetence. So for anyone to think that Donald Trump was truly this media, like bad guy that they all made him out to be. Uh, and then, and then to think that, that Joe Biden is some sort of a savior or something like that. Like it's, it's, it's very interesting to watch this. Trump came in, with bravado, brashness, arrogance, ignorance, and, and ushered in a whole new awakening, which is being continued by absolute absurdity. That is the clown force Biden administration. 
I don't, you know, I don't, we don't need to talk about flat earth or anything like that, but what's your take on, on those, those two presidencies or anything like that? Yeah, there's a clear bias. I mean, there's a clear bias by the media and we've, we've known for, you know, probably nearly a decade, if not longer that the media slants towards the left. So there shouldn't be too much of a surprise there, but I, you know, recently I've spent a lot of time focused on Hunter Biden and I've never really cared about Hunter Biden before. I never really cared about Biden. I don't, I feel like bashing presidents is a little cliche to be honest, just because there's so many more important things going on. For sure. But, but, you know, I, I felt like this was an important one, this Hunter Biden story that just came out last week. Okay. So there was iCloud hacks that hit the internet last Sunday and Nobody within the media, nobody within big tech, none of the intelligence agencies, the White House, the Biden administration, nobody said a word about it. I found that pretty strange. Now, of course, there was the laptop leaks that came out last year, and I acknowledge there's some overlap there in some of the information that was leaked out. So maybe it wasn't as explosive as it once was. However, if this was Trump's son, you know, Donald Trump Jr., it would have been all over the media. We would have still be hearing about it. It would be as much of a debacle as the January 6th commission and hearings right now. It would be all over the news. But when it's Biden, you know, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who we all know, you know, he's obviously put out that biography and we know that he's had drug issues and, you know, he's done some unscrupulous things in the past, but there's not a word about it. I mean, not even by accident, you know, may. Okay. I'll take that back. There was like two articles. I think NBC put one out that said the secret service is aware of the Hunter Biden alleged leaks. Uh, and that was, and I think maybe one other small article, nothing really diving deep into the leaks at all. But to me, I mean, this is pretty significant, right? I mean, there is videos and images of Hunter Biden with underage women. Um, there was, uh, excuse me, underage girls. I got called out. <laughs> These are underage girls. Yeah, the, sure. I don't know what the ages are, but they're very young. Yeah. Uh, plenty of footage of him with crack rocks, drugs, prescription pills, um, and, and even guns. And it's just ironic to me that, you know, his father is the person that was an architect behind a lot of the drug war laws. Uh, obviously his, his father's pushing right now pretty strictly for gun control so it's just ironic that there's no media coverage. There's no exposure. It's just like, hey, we're not going to even talk about it. We're not going to even acknowledge it. And I mean, I guess it, you know, come to a conclusion on it. It's like, it could be twofold. It could be that they just didn't want to talk about it because they could be wrong again. Last time they talked about Hunter Biden's laptop, they were wrong. They said it was fake and it turned out to be completely legitimate and real. It's either that or they just don't want to draw more attention to it because Hunter Biden's already such a, a mess up. You know, it's like, well, hey, look, like the, the president's struggling enough. He could barely form a sentence. Let's not focus more attention on Hunter Biden. And to me, that's just really strange. So I think at the end of the day, there is a clear bias there by the media, and it should be something that people acknowledge. And again, it's not something I really like talking about. It's not something I'm very passionate about, but it shows a clear double standard. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And which brings me to my next point. I mean, uh, it, you said it's not something that you're passionate about. So far, we've been talking about kind of interesting stuff for me. But, man, what's your passion project right now? Like, what are you in love with? What's the idea of something going on right now that's really got your, your like, what's going on in your world? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've never really been huge on politics. I'm more of like a philosophy guy, uh, psychology. I, I love both of those types of things. I really kind of want to get past the whole idea and game of politics and really try to understand, A, like why people behave the way they do, and B, the philosophy that's going to lead us out of this shit show, you know, because I mean, that that's part of the equation, right? Like we also have to uh, understand the axioms and the blueprint that would lead us out of statism into a free, peaceful, and prosperous world. So for me, those have always been more of uh, my focus. And um, I try to interject that both of those things as much as I can into our work. But um, most of the time, unfortunately, you know, it's not always well received. Uh, it, people don't really have a lot of a huge attention span for things like theory and, and philosophy. Some people do. And, uh, you know, those are people tend to be anarchists and libertarians, but um, more often than not, people don't. So you kind of have to trick them, you know, here and there, you kind of have to sprinkle it in when they're not quite uh, paying attention or they're not ready for it. And then you, uh, you know, can maybe advance a little bit and plant some seeds and, and hope that they grow the tree of knowledge. But that that's probably it, man. And before that, you know, before I got into this world, I was a creative, you know, I was a musician for years. So for me, it's also about the creativity of trying to encapsulate an idea, put it into a meme format, make a video about it. Um, that's kind of more where I'm passionate. And uh, I feel like we've had some success in that department. But, you know, when it comes to like memorizing specific dates and and names and, you know, who was president in 1968 or whatever, it's like, I mean, obviously, that's an easy one, but whatever. I mean, there's just all these things. It's like, that's not really my, my strong suit. So um, I'm more of an activist in the sense that I want to actually see some change in my lifetime. I want to have my children live in a, a society and a world that's not as crazy and screwed up as it is right now. So uh, that's kind of where my, my intentions and passion lie. Well, that you're not, you're not, you, you know, you're, you're barking up the right tree over here because everything you just described uh, is exactly what we push. Um, the main goal of this started from curing anxiety and depression. That's where the mental mastery Alliance came from. Uh, the conspiracy aspect of things was, was the was the thing for me that allowed me to get into people's minds like you're you have anxiety and you're full of depression uh, because of your soul going against the universe itself going against not the universe but going against what they've delivered so there's a they delivering a thing and it's not in line with all of our stuff and that's where anxiety and depression that's the root of it all really uh so the to utilize like you said dates and times and that sort of stuff and to talk about things like how Trump did this and how Biden did that. It, it's, it's tiny little nuances that allow you to see the bigger picture. And when you can start seeing the bigger picture, then you can break free from all of it. So the, the, for, so for me with that, you know, in that ideology, that's exactly what it is. It's like, I want, I want the world to see, I want the world to see all of these things as instances, realize that they're all interconnected and then look beyond it all. Sure. So, that's why I said I'm not going to do another social media because I'm not into, I'm not, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk this stuff. I want, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the fifth dimension. I want to talk about everything astral projection. I want to talk about everything that is completely out there, completely, completely out there. Right. And again, this tra trails back to flat earth. This was a huge opener for me. And, and when you look at that and when you truly, when your brain actually comprehends that we aren't where they said we are, the next question is, well, then where are we? And if you can't prove that, then shut up, right? But 
But but when you get past that, it's like, okay, all right. I don't know where we are, but that I don't know where we are makes this whole experience that much more fun. (laughs) And there's the philosophy behind that because then you're just like, okay, well, now I'm seeing the play and I'm seeing, I'm seeing the deception. I'm seeing the mockery in everything. I'm seeing the mainstream media. And then you see past the mainstream media. And then you see past the media. And then you see past everything. And you just sit there and you think to yourself, you know, well, what else can I experience? What can I see? What am I a part of? What's my ego? What am I truly saying? Like, what is, what is definitively me? What, what am I? Am I in this, am I in this ethos? Am I in this environment? Scientifically, inside the the molecules of, of of the building blocks of life are inside the atom is quarks, quarks, and quasons. So scientifically, every single thing in here is energy. So a quick jump from that means that you and I are standing in the holodeck on, on the Starship Enterprise, right? That's that's where we are. We're, we're in energy. We are energy. And if we are energy, we can manifest. If we can manifest, we can create constantly. We're constant creators. If we're constant creators and we're quantum creators, theoretically, we're God. We're not allowed to talk about being God because all of society has said we can't. But then when you get past all of society and you say to yourself, well, if I'm the one person, the one entity that's always been aware of everything that I've ever done, seen, witnessed, tasted, and touched and smelled, then wouldn't all of this be here in my reality for me to experience, to help me get to where I need to be and to help me play the game that I'm currently playing? And that's kind of the philosophy that I go. And I just go Woof, right off the deep end on that sort of stuff. But I love that. That It's ironic that that's your passion project as well, too, because I, I that line of thought and that, that lineage is, man, you and I could do, or we're coming up to the end of this show, but we could do an entire episode on that. You know? Sure. No, and I, I would love to, man. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe this is assimilation, you know, <laughs> it's possible. It, it certainly uh, feels real, right? If you're okay. So, so here's a question for you. If you want to answer it, where are we? What do you think about that? Have you, have you put much thought into it? Um, yeah, usually I think plant medicine certainly assists with that. You know, I can't say I have uh, an we, answer we just, for it. We just did a whole episode on psychedelics as well. When you talk about plant medicine. Uh, nice. So, so yeah, we, it's all wide open if you want to talk about it, but yeah, that's, um, I agree with that. You know, the, the, the psychosyllabin network and all that sort of stuff and how you can share yeah. it into the world. But do you have a, do you have a take? Do you have a take on that? Where, where we are? Do you think that, do you think that we're on a space ball floating through infinite nothingness? I know that in my consciousness, um, this conversation is happening right now. Um, can I prove otherwise? Not really. But does that mean that, you know, I exist in this planet, this, this, you know, ball of, uh, you know, gases and, and oxygen and everything that the earth, I don't really know. I mean, uh, that's a good question, man. I, I haven't, I can't say that I haven't put a lot of thought into it, but I think the idea that there's really no way to know has kind of turned me off from thinking about it either way. That makes sense. If that makes sense, because if I can't, I mean, what's same thing could be applied to, okay, well, what happens when you die? I mean, you could go crazy trying to really try to analyze that and try to come to some place of comfort, I guess. But I think the comfort lies in, I don't know. And I don't know if there is an answer. I think it's, perfectly acceptable just to be in that mindset. I mean, that's not juicy, you know, that's not very exciting to talk about, but um, (laughs) I think it is. I think it's the greatest stuff. And one of the things that people don't like so many people say, well, what happens when you die? Right. But how many people are saying, well, what happened before I was born? Where did I come from? Sure. How did I get here? You know? Yeah. And no, that's, 
I think like the, because what happens after you die does lead to well, where did I come from? You know, and of course, source energy and all that sort of stuff. Like we can go miles into into woo woo juju, um, but I love it in there. I love it in there because in there, crazy conversations happen and neat things get discovered, and then you extrapolate. You extrapolate from from all of that stuff. Um, yeah. I don't think there's enough of that happening, to be honest. And I, I think these social norms, you know, and these uh, philosophical norms that we've kind of been indoctrinated with, I mean, nobody's really questioning those. And yeah, I love having those types of conversations. I mean, uh, I think there shouldn't be any red flags or there shouldn't be any roadblocks when it comes to that stuff. But I, I feel like it's so rare that you can actually find somebody to talk about it. I mean, am I right? Like you're not going to find in, in most of your friends and family, somebody who's willing to sit down and talk about this stuff. They'll start sidetracking this conversation. They'll start to get, you know, uninterested. And it's like, okay, why are we talking about this? Like you're starting to uh, scare me a little bit. You know, you're starting to kind of bend my my understanding of reality and, and challenging me on my thoughts and beliefs and my existence, like, you know, that's uncomfortable for a lot of people to me. Like, I, I think that's some of the greatest line of questioning we could have, you know, and I, I believe, uh, I mean, that's where the deep conversations happen. And it feels like it's so rare to find people that want to engage in those. I I'm blessed with having this podcast and having that be sort of a, a, a modus operandi for myself so that I can seek these people out and talk to the people that are crazier than me. Sure. And I, and yeah, I always yeah. love to know, like, how did you get there? How did how did you how did you progress to this? You mentioned earlier, Alex Zek. Uh, I had on this show not too long ago. Uh, well, probably about a year ago now. Time flies. Uh, Tommy John, who used to be in the Alex Zek circle um, uh, of influence, they were all working together on some stuff. Uh, and Tommy John was too far out there for these guys. Tommy John is the baseball guy. Tommy John surgery. It's his son. Mm. Right. Okay. And his son is all uh, holistic. He's all super healthy. He's all this sort of stuff. And he was going against Alex Zek. He was saying things sort of against Alex Zek. And Alex Zek is like, eh, I'm not into it. You're out. Right. Out of the mm-hmm. sphere. Right. So it's like even the most free thinkers that are out there that are saying these things, um, some of them get limitations. So, so when you talk about who am I supposed to talk to, and it's not that Alex Zek was bad or that Tommy John was bad. It's just that one of them was way out there. Right. Sure. And it's the guy that's way out there. That's the dude that I want to talk to. And, right. and that's why, that's why I love that stuff. Like this, this episode isn't that it's trailing into that, which is really cool that you, you sort of, when I said, what's your passion project, you said philosophy. I'm like, Oh, yeah, here we go. Right. 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 Um, but that's where that's, that's, I think that all conspiracy and all everything that we can possibly talk about is for the benefit of us. Sure to help us get to a more spiritual plane. Like if we think about things like celebrities, for example, we've all heard the stories of what the celebrities were eating. <laughs> we, we can't prove if it was true or not, but if the, if the story was all celebrities only eat green jelly beans, nobody would ask different questions. There wouldn't, there would no longer be a, an elevation of why are they doing what they're doing? You know? So I think that even the craziest things, and, and there was an interview, and I've talked about this, an interview with one of them, the elite or whatever it is. And and he's like, I'm sure you've, you've seen this. It's, it's another one was interview with the devil or, or outwitting the devil, where he's he has to ask certain questions and he gets certain answers. And in there, he says, we've signed up for this much like when you signed up for your journey. And, and as much as we may or may not want to do the things that we're doing, we're doing it to help you wake up. So we're doing all of these evil things to help you see that all of these evil things are being done. 
and to help you wake up from the reality that you're in. And that's one of those lines that kind of stuck with me. And it said, if, if all of these terrible things are happening in this world to help us wake up from this world and they're doing it and they have to do it, they have to do these atrocities. There's a whole other side to the world in which you and I live um, or the existence or the game that we're playing or however you want to put it, that there's, that they're helping that, that, you know, that, that they're playing the villain. And I often attribute this to, you know, uh, street fighter two, a game that we all played. You jump into street fighter two, you're Ken, you're Ryu, whoever you are. You're really excited. You, you pick your guys at the blue guy, the red guy. And then the game starts and there's nobody on the other end. There's nobody over there. There's nobody to fight. If there's nobody to fight, you can't get better at the game. You can't even progress through the game. And if we're playing a game and there's nobody to fight, or there's nothing to learn from, or there's nothing to grow from, or there's nothing to get better at, what are we really doing? So when, when I look at these, when I look at all of them, when I look at every last thing that's very weird. When I look at the fight that I'm having with Instagram, it's making me become a better version of myself. It's making me do more with the podcast, do this, do that, become, alter, grow, adapt, you know, as opposed to resting in what I found to be my comfort zone or resting in what the, you know, what did work. I'm always forced to adapt because I'm always at war with some or perceived to be at war with something. And if the end result of you being at war with something is a better version of you, was that thing really that bad? Right. And this is where I lose a lot of people because they're like, no, everything's bad. Of course it's bad. But yeah. So no, I get the point that you're trying to make. And yes, yeah, certainly I, I feel like uh, when we lost the 6 million fans, uh, in 2018, it, it was devastating. It certainly changed the trajectory of my life, but it also opened up a bunch of new doors. And I think that's probably what you're getting at is that these things happen. It sometimes feels like a loss or a blow during that moment, but it often makes us more, uh, it, it motivates us to try different avenues to try to push ourselves into different uh, ways to succeed. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, I can't say every single time I would say I'd probably would have preferred to not be abused by my father than be abused, you know, but then again, it did make me into who I am. Uh, but there's still a lot of trauma and shit that I'm working through. So I think there are probably are certain limitations to that mindset, but you did touch on something a few minutes ago and I kind of wanted to, to talk about it before we, we get off here. And I am all for questioning, you know, I'm all for even questioning flat earth. I don't think that should be taboo. Uh, I'm all about, you know, trying to any of these social norms, any of these things that we've been told that they're, uh, they exist exactly how they are. Any type of official story or official narratives, all those things need to be questioned. However, I think there does tend to be a tendency within our movement of people who find everything to be a conspiracy. And I don't think that is healthy or helpful either, because we also have to have discernment, right? When a, a shooting happens, a mass shooting happens, we can't automatically say, boom, like here it is, CIA, once again, false flag. I don't think that's being honest. I don't think that's being genuine. Now, there is an element of truth that there could be a possibility there that it was a false flag set up by the, the FBI, the CIA. Sure. But I think when we don't give ourselves that space to to really explore it, to look into it, to do the research. And we're automatically pointing the finger and saying, oh, that's a conspiracy. That's, that's a problem. There's a problem there. So, you know, we do need to be uh, mindful. We need to be uh, on top of our, our discernment and really trying to wade through these waters of, of all these certain instances and, and topics that come up, right? Because 
there is incentive right now, especially right now with the internet through video monetization, through website ad revenue for people to come up with some of the craziest stories that have no basis in reality just to get clicks. Okay. And some of those people do agree to exist in our camp. So we can't completely just, you know, just not acknowledge that we have to also say, well, look, these people are that, you know, there are bad actors within our own communities. So we have to, to be mindful of that. Now, the flip side of that, you know, is like, well, we can't also just believe that, you know, everything the media tells us is true and everything the fact checkers say is, is accurate and legitimate. I mean, no, like, again, you know, do your own research. That is absolutely important. Now, on some of these topics, I must admit, like, I probably strayed too far into conspiracy land. And I've kind of had to reel myself back a little bit just so I am continually putting out honest and accurate information. Because even for me, somebody who's been in the social media world for as long as I have, I could easily create a headline or a, a title for my video that I know is going to get clicks. I, I know how to engineer those, but I also have to be honest to myself. And I also have to be honest to my audience because authenticity is what continues to, to bring people back. Right. 100%. So if I, if, if I'm not, then they're going to eventually, you know, catch one lie. They're going to catch eventually catch one fib, and eventually they're going to lose interest and lose respect for me. So I think it's also important if if you're trying to do this for the long haul to to really be mindful of uh, being accurate and not just trying to jump into confirming your own biases. Oh yeah, yeah, and and see, I would have a problem with doing that, um, doing what you do and doing it as well as you do it. Uh, simply because like my podcast is all about, Hey, I want to get you on here. I want to talk to you about a few things. Most of my shows are uh, me just sort of rambling and having free thought and just kind of like just jamming things out inside my head. And, and and I say a thousand times, I'm like, this is entertainment. Like I'm not, you know, I'm having these thoughts. I'd be having them anyway. And I want to sort of put them on the, on the air. Uh, and I love getting opinions, but to, for me to actually put something in paper and say, Hey man, this is the way it is. And, and even listening to you speak about it, you're so, I don't even know if you're aware of it, but you're so diplomatic in, in how you handle certain things. Like when we were talking about Rage Against Machine right at the beginning, you're like, I'm not implying that they said this, this, and this, or putting this in anyone's mouths. Um, like you were respectful to a group of, of people who were disrespectful to a group of people because that's who you are, because you operate obviously clearly with integrity. And, and that comes through, that comes through in your character, that comes through in your speech. Um, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't, I couldn't put my stamp on that and say definitively this is that and this is it because you guys put out so many articles that are like, hey, we're sharing this with you and this is what we've come up with and this is the best to the best of our ability. This is this is a truth that maybe they they aren't showing and here are the cit citations as to where we got this, how we got this, where we're coming from on this. Sure. So like that's huge. Like that's absolutely huge. Uh, you know that you can get there and and, and how well, you do it so well. Yeah, and what you just described is exactly our methodology. And right now they're cracking down on that even, you know, within social media, within the fact checkers. So we can't even link to a, a peer reviewed study, you know, something that came out that we didn't even write, you know, it, it's something that we've happened to catch wind of. We believe our audience should be aware of. We're, we're even getting dinged for that, you know, on social media by the fact checker. So I feel like that's where the real danger comes in. It's like, we're not specifically saying, you know, we're not putting out these truth claims. We're actually just sharing information from other people who are putting out truth claims. And they say, we can't even do that. And that's when things are starting to get dangerous. And I've seen more and more uh, continuity in that sense, where it's just 
the fact checking has gotten out of hand. And I know we're, we're winding down the, the conversation right now and I'm bringing up a whole new can, can of worms here, but um, I, I feel like that's a huge problem as well. It, it is. Uh, and again, with regards to the time, I'm just being respectful of your time. I could go for days, um, especially in this conversation. I'm having a good time, but uh, <laughs> definitely being respectful of your time. And you mentioned earlier, you can't go all in on conspiracy. You can't go all in. You can't go all in on the fact checkers, that sort of thing. When you were talking about the shootings, you can't just assume that everyone's a shooting. And and the funny thing about this with regards to sort of my my mentality towards this is I've 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 been able to compartmentalize that scenario where if it's on the television and if they're showing it to me, there's a 99% chance that it is a false flag, right? The things that they don't show because I'm very familiar with major tragedies that did not make the news. Mm-hmm. Right? So if an actual guy who's watching the news and who's getting the idea to become a lone gunman goes into a theater and it's not planned and starts shooting people up. The, the likelihood of that making anything other than the local news is almost zero. Right. And it's, it's to me, it seems that whatever makes the local or whatever makes the, the, the total news is, is a controllable story that pushes a narrative. Absolutely. And, and that's where I say, you know, you can't just believe everything is, is kind of what you said. And you can't, but I believe that if it's coming from this source, i.e. the television, it's bullshit. Um, and and it's, it's funny because I'll watch and I'll look and I'll hope to God that, that it's not 100% accurate. But I mean, every last, if you think about all the last ones that we know about, they all were. Yeah. And now if, if, if somebody could somehow sum up, if there was a guy that could somehow get all the information of all of the other things that took place, like there's this, this new one uh, has a guy, he was in a mall and he shot the guy that had the gun, right? And now they're allowing us to know that. But even, even that, like the, the split that came from the news from uh, Rittenhouse, right? That, the, the whole trial was, it, it appears to be the whole trial was CGI. And there's like clips of this, that, and the other thing. And you look at this and you go, they're pushing this narrative. They're pushing that narrative. Kyle Rittenhouse has the exact same birthday as um, uh, Greta Thunberg. Right. So it's almost like this, the same systems, the same talking heads come in. And again, I know see, we're open up all that's a whole other episode right there, but they have these little symbolisms, these little things that you can tie in together when they start showing things. And you're like, as much as I don't want to believe it, it it's systematic with a lot yeah. of stuff. No, I, I hear you, man. There's been plenty of times too with within my work that I, I'm connecting dots that I don't necessarily want to connect. And it's like, well, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily a belief that I want to embrace, but here's the different facts that are kind of pointing towards it being possible. And that, that happens certainly all the time. Um, so I, yeah, I get it, man. I totally get it. Well, man, this again, in keeping with respecting your time, this is one hell of an episode. Like we, I feel like we just sat down and we just, you know, we, I feel like (laughs) that's how you always know it's a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really do want to have you back on the show. I know you got a super busy schedule. It took us months to get you here the first time, but hopefully not. So, you know, hopefully we can get you back. Uh, yeah, man, let's do when, it. When you're comfortable and, and ready just to sort of chill out. And there's so much we can talk about. Um, and, and I know that the audience is going to love this. I know that the audience is going to love you guys. If you haven't heard of Jason, uh, head over to the free thought project, head over to Jason E. Baszler. We're going to have the, uh, the link tree in the, in the description as well. So all your stuff is going to be up there. Um, Thank and- you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Jason Bassler seven though. Cause I have a couple of imposters oh, who are scamming people with my, uh, 
my likeness right now on Instagram. So yeah, you said it correctly the first time. I just kind of wanted to distinguish that it's uh, Jason E. Bassler, Jason E. Bassler, and uh, Jason Bassler one on Twitter. Um, you know, it, as Adam had said, uh, www.thefreethoughtproject.com. We're also on pretty much any other social media you can think of. I don't want to overwhelm you guys, but I mean, me, we, minds, uh, Twitter. Gab, uh, Mastodon. I mean, we're pretty much on all of them. Telegram. So if uh, you're looking for some uh, government accountability and police accountability news, definitely check us out uh, on any of those social media platforms. It's incredible that you have the time to do all that and then and, and the drive and the dedication and the desire. Uh, one, uh, one last question before you go. How the hell are you on Twitter? <laughs> How am I or why am I on Twitter? How are you on Twitter? That was the first one. I got I got blipped off Twitter within a split second. My yeah, God. yeah. They, they've got me a couple times, man. But uh, you know, so far I'm I'm staying up. I mean, this is all just a balancing act. You know, it, it really is just walking on eggshells with these people, and you kind of have to know how to play the game. You know, avoid certain words, certain terminology, especially if recent stories or things are controversial that are coming out. You know, but. Um, at this point we spread the, the net far and wide. So, you know, we're trying to get on as many social media platforms as we can and get our information out there as far as we can. And uh, yeah. And as I think about that, like if you guys just do a little bit, you know, we can't talk about this here, but they can talk about it here. So if you get a little bit of attention here and a little bit of attention yeah. there, eventually people will go do your cycle and catch it all. Yeah. The, the cross promotion. Absolutely. That's part of it. That's a really good thing to do, man. Uh, thanks again. Thanks again for being here. Again, all of your links and everything will be in the description on the show liner notes. I definitely want to have you back. Um, ladies and gentlemen, in the infamous words of Red Green, keep your stick on the ice. Thank you for listening to today's Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag MMA and Mental Mastery Alliance. Want more motivation? Be sure to follow online on Instagram at Mental Mastery Alliance and on Facebook at Mental Mastery Alliance. And remember, your perception creates your reality. Make it a great day. You got it, Pontiac.